This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good morning, this is Talking Devils, the leading independent Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by Manchester United legend Paul Parker and United fan Dave Murphy to talk over a very eventful week at Manchester United. When isn't it at the moment? Um, Paul, first, I'll come to you. How how was your weekend? Did you have a good one? Uh, My weekend was, um, well... A game of football on Saturday, watching a game of football, which I wish I wasn't watching, but I'm glad I was, glad that I had no choice but to stay to the end because it was all only about the end. And then I was at um, West Ham v Newcastle yesterday, which turned out quite good in the end, really. Especially yes. when when West Ham scored so late as well, it made it that little, made it it made it better for me because there was a team that was celebrating like the season was finishing tomorrow. Yeah. Um, yeah, and um, obviously Dave Murphy with us as well. Dave, how was your weekend? Did you have a good one? I mean, Sunday was great. Saturday, uh, I had to spend it with unpleasant people and Stacey. Um, but yeah, it, it was <laughs> yeah, it was a good weekend. We had a win. I was there to see it. It was uh, memorable. Memorable. Yeah, memorable is the word. If you're watching live on YouTube, please subscribe like the video share if you can feel free to get your comments and questions in if you're watching the replay as well um, do comment we do reply if you're listening back on the audio podcast if you can subscribe you can leave a positive review on the platform you're listening on more positive than the review i got on uh, another podcast i a guest on which um said that i send people to sleep which is only half true for this podcast i've not really done it that much um yeah there's no the rumours of Dave and Paul sleep talking through this podcast are um, widely exaggerated. Even if I do go on my 12-minute runs, they still stay awake, and that's the best review you can leave for this podcast. Nobody sleeps um, as much as they might want to. Um, Quite sad note to start on, um, Paul. um, Cathy Ferguson, Lady Cathy, wife of Sir Alex, passed away um, last week. And he did feel like a monumentous day in, in United history, really. And it's, it's rare that you can say that with, obviously, women being involved with the, the men's team at Manchester United. Um, but obviously, Lady Jean Busby, and when she died, it was a sad day at United. This is the first time in a generation that we've, we've sort of witnessed anything like this. And there are a lot of tributes that have come out. Um, it's a sad day. You could tell that... Um, Sir Alex must have really valued that companionship and that support to, because he was so dedicated to his job. It tells you what a strong woman she must have been to be able to hold that family together. Oh, oh without a doubt. I mean, we only saw her, uh, only really saw her when there was occasions, you know. Um, we didn't, you know, she didn't see, obviously, around the training ground. She wasn't like that at all. Even at um, games, never 
didn't didn't really see her. I mean, maybe because I was at after the game, I was at one, you know, around the dressing room area, and she was maybe if anything up by the boardroom. But the boss, whenever come up, he always mentioned her. She come out about something, and it was always something about he he was scared of her. She, you know, she she was the governor. Just when he said things, or you were talking about something, and virtually say, "Oh, like my Kathy wouldn't let me get away with that." It was things like that. There was so much, you know, disrespect for her and everything. Just when he talked about it, it was, you know, there was no, everything was just about her and, you know, just about her as a woman. And I was shocked when I saw it. I mean, I only saw it just when it came along the, the ticker along the bottom of the screen when I when I saw it. And I saw something, I thought, was it, what's going on there? And it was, it was a, you know, it was a, incredible that something like that come up. And I thought that, that just didn't seem right, to be perfectly honest. Just didn't yeah. seem right at all, and you know it is a shame. It's a it's a shame for him, really, in, in that sense. And I just hope that you know that that he's all right at this moment in time, and he'll carry on as normal, or he can carry on as normal. Yeah, it's it's dreadfully sad, and um, it's such a she's a big part of United history. She was influential in his decision to turn around the retirement in in two thousand and one. She told him to get out from under his feet. <laughs> and get back to work um and he did and delivered us a few more league titles and five more league titles after that 2003 mm. 7 8 9 six, 11 6 yeah 6 league titles a european cup um yeah and we were you know everyone was singing at old trafford singing a name um but uh, sorry wayne wayne but i mean that's how that's how silly it is really i mean just coming at when when that come up about that it just it just absolutely madness really that at one point he's thinking about stopping and then he gets booted out because I'm sure any woman doesn't want he didn't want him you know she hadn't he hadn't been in and around her for years and all of a sudden he bobs out, I'm gonna be here for you. No, I don't want that, I want you out. And he goes and he and he goes and gets, you know, you know, six more titles. And you think to yourself, why was you doing that for? There was still so much to give. Incredible of them, incredible amount to give. Why are you stopping, you know? Like- Oh, all right. I'll go and knock Liverpool off the perch. I'll go. And, I'll go and make United the most dominant team in English history. All right then. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, a little bit of um, Fergie magic on Saturday as well. Um, they would have been smiling, you know, Scottish midfielder getting the um, Scottish international midfielder. I don't know whether in, in today's day and age you can classify. Scott McTominay is a true Scott, considering the accent and where where he was raised. But that, I'm not, not diminishing your national responsibilities, Scott. Um, big fan of you this morning, in particular this weekend. Um, Scott McTominay comes were, off. The were, you, were you the were you the one that talked to Jack Grealish and 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 Royce when they played for Ireland? People were like, oh, I know you you're playing for Ireland, but come play for England instead. So now you're trying to steal Scott McTominay. Is that how this goes? I, I, I was a fly on the wall when Roy Keane. Oh, I was telling Egging Roy Keane on to fight with you know Andy Townsend and stuff like that. You know, tell tell them tell them they're not tell Mick McCarthy is not really Irish. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> yeah um, we do. Fantastic international midfielder for Scotland, by the way, um, and brought his goal scoring form to Old Trafford. Um, I take it we'll talk about McTominay as a player a little bit later on, but in context of the game, we're one 0 down, playing terribly. Um, bereft of any form of imagination, and I still can't say like you try and contextualize what you witnessed and what happened. You can't say that United threw the kitchen sink at them. You can't say that Brentford 
laboured under the weight of pressure because it never happened like that. But that's what Old Trafford does to you sometimes. I think United got that late equaliser and Brentford panicked and United capitalised on it. And it was fitting. I mean, you've got all this talk about De- David Beckham's documentary and McTominay had watched it and felt emboldened to sort of... He should be like that every week. But I don't think you never... You don't miss that from Scott. He's a, if one thing you're going to get from him is... Um, the dominant um, sort of personality aspects of it and how passionate he is, whether, you know, the qualities and other aspects, but it was there on Saturday, two goals in the last injury time, a really frenzied end. Old Trafford went absolutely bananas. It's amazing. I mean, who knows, goodness knows what that'll mean in the context of the season. We'll talk about that a little bit later on, but in the context of the game, Paul, he delivered three points, three points, you know, no one is arguing that United deserved, but sometimes in football, is about moments. It's not always about the trophies. It's about the moments. And um, what what did you make of what you saw on Saturday? First of all, in isolation from from the game itself and from the way that it was won at the end. Well, the game itself, it was just. I knew it was always going to be difficult. Brentford are one of those teams. They they are. They they weren't having a good team, and that's why in in theory it was a big game for both sides. Um. And everyone has suddenly started talking about Brentford. Could be, could this be their season? I still don't see it. I think Brentford will stay up and stay up quite easily. They've got key players out, you know, real, you know, big players for them out. But those good, those big players for them have made their mark in the Premier League already. But they were, you know, you looked at the way they played, and they were better, better with the better with the ball. Not that you know, not that they're. I'm going to say they're fantastic, but they were better than Manchester United. And you just always had that feeling they had something about them. United had no creativity, couldn't keep the ball. Defensively, always were being pulled around, especially in fullback areas. That's where they suddenly must have thought, well, that's where they're going to get joy in the wide areas, which they did. And then when they get themselves in front, you start getting worried. They could have gone got a little bit more. But just, you know, you jump to the end and in the end, what you do? You bring on someone and you just you pitch them in the middle and you say, "Be a presence." Scott McTominay was a presence. The two centre half Pinnock had Pinnock had, had a really, really had a great game. Pinnock, I thought, you know, from a lad who used to play for Dulwich Hamlets in the, you know, in the Ryman Premier. I mean, he's he's been you know through done the card at Brentford, all the divisions, and had a fantastic game again. I should say because he's he's been good for them since they've come into the top level. But they just didn't know how to deal with something different. They had, they had a presence there, really. I thought Highland couldn't have put any more yards in. It's just that he just showed his naivety. He kept doing good bits, getting a hold up, and he kept, kept trying to beat people. He was trying to do it on his own, which, to take that on as a young lad, I want to commend him. But on the other side, he's, he needed the experience, someone to tell him, you know, control, give and go. Because once he goes, you're not going to catch him. Yeah. Now, if I would relate to him, maybe to a player I played, I'll say he was Sparky. I'm sure that Sparky, when, when he was younger, and everyone talked about I mean, I remember Sparky's name when I was a kid as a 16-year-old, and everyone was raving about him um, at United. But I'm sure that he had those moments when, especially with his ability, he maybe had too many touches and was getting caught with too. But he learnt. Hoyland will learn. You could just see his enthusiasm to get on the ball all the time was second to none. It was just that bit sometimes at the end where he just let himself down. But you don't want to take that away from him because that's called confidence and belief in your own ability. 
And that's what you don't want to take away. Because if you haven't got that, you'll struggle. But um, they had, they had nothing from wide areas was poor. Ganacho comes on. And even before the first goal, you could just see he made a difference. He just yeah. showed a bit of zest. He just showed a bit of energy, hard work, enthusiasm. And that's and that's what made made a difference. Anthony comes on, and I just think he just made the left back think a little bit more. Hickey had to yeah. think a little bit more because he wasn't he didn't have to he didn't have nothing to do before, and that's it. It was easy for him to bomb forward, so it kept him back. So United, in that sense, the substitutions he made were right in a way because when you look at it, he had to take off Rashford because he was getting nothing from him. You can always have a player on the pitch who think. He needs a goal, and if he gets one, you think they'll come in shed loads. But when he's not when he's not scoring that goal, you got to say, well, what is he giving me? And it was quite a, it was a big decision because everyone's been ridiculing for not ever taking him off. And it was so it was a big decision to go and do it, knowing that a goal was needed. Yeah. But he yeah. made it. But then he just it changed everything. Then they, they weren't getting Brentford weren't getting much joy wide going forward. There was a, yes, they were a bit on the counter. They did sit back deeper, but they didn't have it. They had no outlets because no one was ever scared to bomb on, and they kept the ball in that in that third in the um in the attacking third. They blocked it in, so Brentford couldn't get out, and that's what made a difference. And Brentford were the masters of their own destruction in a way because they they didn't get out. They 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 just thought they were just sitting there, and they couldn't deal with the changes really. Not that it was you know they had to think long and hard about them. It was the most obvious thing to do someone in an area where a player weren't producing and just someone in the box maybe to win challenges or just make the defensive headers not as good because they was going to have someone jumping up against them with a, with a presence. There was two players with a presence in the box rather than one. And I think that's my opinion, assessment of the game. To say that about Manchester United says where they are at this moment in time, which isn't good really if I'm talking about it like that. Um, a little bit of a moment, um, if we can take a, a moment to praise uh, Scott McTominay, because we have on this podcast, you and I, Paul, before Dave joined us, Scott was one that we talked about a lot because he was often using that older midfielder role because of the energy that he had and when really, you know, he doesn't, no criticism of him, he's got qualities in other areas, he doesn't have the tactical discipline to, to play that kind of role or the qualities, you know, passing range and tackling range and everything like that. But you play him in a further forward position, and I'm not saying it's good enough to star in a title win inside, but it's good enough to score goals against Leeds, it's good enough to decide games like this. Um, I mean, I'm not talking about him overall, Paul. In terms of this game, um, and it's at least a conversation starter that you know he's, he's back in the conversation for whatever period of time, a couple of months' time. You know, you mentioned Garnacho coming off the bench. Annabelle, when he's played, he's showed that kind of energy. McTominay, all right, maybe doesn't have the quality, but sometimes you need to remove the sort of labouring of Casemiro when things are going so wrong and it's not bringing anything, that you need that kind of presence that McTominay brought on on Saturday. And, I mean, the one thing we can't deny is that he made a, a massive, massive contribution. So um, fair play to him for coming on and making that contribution. Yeah, I mean, it, it was. I mean, you, I can't knock him for that. And I've kind of said things about him, and and I still stick by that. If United are going to go and, you know, be contenders for titles, then a Scott McTominay's not in your team. But sometimes you need those kind of play. You do need those players around when you look at situations like that yeah. and what's going on. When you look at 
what Mason Mount was offering, and he had and he was trying to play that role in there. And I'm still I'm still waiting there. I'm sure there's a lot of people still wonder why United went and paid that money for him, pushed it to go and get him because. For me, it still doesn't, it's not right. It just doesn't seem right. If you want some, Scott McTominay's, if, you, if you're going to go and play him, then you have to play him in a role where he can get into the box. Yeah. Just be, and, you know, he's brave. You know, his heart's in the right place as well for Manchester United. He would give you more because he would affect somebody. And in fact, and he wouldn't allow that person to have a good time because he'd be a constant pain. Mason Mount was trying to drop deep, then he was forward. When he did have opportunity, never, never produced anything. Amrabat come into the game once Casemiro went off. So straight away, that kind of, that straight away gives gives the manager a problem. What he's going to do there, you know, eight nine games into us, eight nine games played, all in, well more than that, that with Europe and the, the League right. Cup as well, is that um, the manager still doesn't really know his best team at this moment. I know we can talk about injuries, but when I say best team. What's his best midfield? Yeah, and, he's, well, and that's going to be a bit of a quandary to him because he's, you know, he's got numbers there now, really. Yeah, um, we'll get to that a little bit later on. Devo, your thoughts on what you saw on Saturday? Have you managed to sort of put it into any kind of sense yet? Um, I mean, aside from the result, I think the the biggest thing I took away from, or the biggest pleasing factor from Saturday, was the fact that. Um, uh, Ten Hag made big decisions. He hasn't been making big decisions as of late in regard to his substitutions. Taking Casemiro off at halftime was the right decision. Taking Rashford off at 60 minutes was the right decision. And that was the pleasing aspect. One of the you know main pleasing aspects for me on Saturday was now we start to make those big decisions. You know, now we start to see that I gotta make these decisions to actually <clears throat> move this team on. Um, and they were the right decisions. I thought I agree with Paul. I thought Amrabat came into it a lot more when Casemiro went off. But yeah, it does leave that conundrum now of what do we do? Um, Amrabat playing in midfield, starting in midfield for the first time since he came to United. I think we do have problems still um, in midfield um, because, you know, defensively we're still pretty poor because we don't have any defenders. Well, you know, any any of our really regular first team defenders, everyone's out. Um, but uh, I mean, the decisions that, like I said, that Eric Ting had made and taking those two players off was, for me, was massive. It shows that you know it sets down a it sets down a marker now, and I want to see more of that. It doesn't matter who you are, and um, it's very rare you get a player that can play badly in a game, but you leave them on because you just know that one moment. Ronaldo, prime example. You know, we we had so many times in that season when he came back, what he was doing, absolutely nothing, and then in the 88 odd minute a chance drops and he's the only player on the pitch you want that chance to drop it because he's going to score it you know but those players are few and far between um rashford um he's just not offering anything right now you know he really isn't and it's sad to say that but he's not uh, i i think we just really upped our game when garnaccio and um anthony came on i mean there was you know obviously um we, we were talking through the match wayne and, and there was times where we were saying it, it was like we were two or three nil up there was there was just no there was just no urgency. It was just tapping it back and forward to each other, and it's like, you know, do these guys know we're losing here? Um, but you know, obviously, the, the when McTominay come on, the one thing you'll get from McTominay, I agree. I don't think, I don't think, uh, you know, he doesn't start in a title winning team. 
Um, but the one thing that he does give is, is you know, the whole DNA of Manchester United. He's been there since he was a kid. You know, he's he's a player that you could never, ever accuse of not giving 100% because that's what he does every single time. And, and you do need players like him around the dressing rooms, players that will just, you know, enforce that mentality to people that you just got to keep going, you got to keep going, you got to keep going. Um, it gives Ten Hag a, a headache. What does he do in the next game against Sheffield United? I mean, a player that scores two goals, do you bench him? Do you, you know, what, what do you do? But um, all in all, you know, United were absolutely pants for 90 minutes. They really were. Now, Brentford were no better. They just, you know, they they just had the, the, the fortunate situation where we had Onana in goal, um, which, I, I, you know, I don't want to... I don't want to make this a weekly bash, but we we have serious problems with our goalkeeper, and I don't think they're problems we can fix because his technique, you you know, you can't really retrain a player like that. I just don't believe he's the he's the right fit for Manchester United. You know, but you know, the other pleasing aspect, obviously, is winning. And I gotta say, I've been to, I've been to a lot of United games, and that second goal against it, it's not even about the opposition; it really isn't. It's it's the fact. You know, if you can't, and I've seen people on social media moaning about it, well, if we're celebrating like this against Brentford, I, I'm not sure they get football. I really don't. It doesn't really matter who you're playing against. You're 1-0 down into the 90th minute, and you score two goals. I mean, I, I was fortunate enough to be to be at the new Camp in 99 to hear that roar. That at Brentford, I'll be honest with you, was, was just on a par with that. It was just mind blown. The place, I mean, the place went absolutely mental. Um, and yeah, that will live with me for a very, very long time. But that's what football is, isn't it? it gives you massive flaws and, you know, even massive, uh, even even much more highs. Um, so yeah, I, it, it was, we ain't pulling up any trees, but after the month that we've had and, and the results that we've had and some of the stuff that's gone against us, Saturday was a very enjoyable win, um, but we still, you know, not without saying, we 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 still do have problems. We really do. But uh, this this could be, you know, this a situation like this could be a kickstart to a season. You know, the players and and Ten Hag said it in the in the in the press conference after. You know, he said the supporters never give up. We're just hoping that that you know that transfers onto the pitch and those players understand that you know the, the fans will never give up um, and, and it's about time that they took that mantle as well with scott mctominy um you know the funny thing is that the winner you know the assistant a winner was scored by the two players we were nearly uh <coughs> to win. Um, so you know all in all a very very enjoyable enjoyable saturday so yeah um johnny says morning jen I was in against Liverpool and um, obviously in the new camp as well. Paul, you played in a couple of games where United um, scored like goals <coughs> at the end of time, you know, like Steve Bruce against Sheffield Wednesday, where you're almost, God, I don't even know how to describe it, other than you were carrying the weight of 26 years in, in that game and then you're a goal down and like, everything feels like it's not going for you and then Bruce scores those two goals and then obviously Hughes a year later against Oldham where he scores that goal against Oldham. What's it like to to be a player in that kind of environment where you know you've you've played hard, you've, you've competed to try, you know, you've conceded an early goal or you've conceded a goal against the runner playing 
you're thinking, God, you really need something here, and then something like that happens. What's it like to be to be a player in that environment? Well, the Sheffield Wednesday one, that one's that was a bit different because of the boss made a big decision in that game, which actually I believe, and only I can say this because then I won't get the ump, is that it made well made a big difference of why maybe Manchester United won the league against. I mean, and it was all about that Sheffield Wednesday game. Is that um, he took me off? So I was. So... I, I had that in my notes, but I wasn't going to say that that was the catalyst. Because <laughs> you know that there's a chance of me getting angry about it. But when I say it, it seems fine. No, but I mean, he, well, he, he, he'd look to change up. He, he, he was looking for that little bit more. My goal scoring record went against me. So, so, you get, so you get the hook, and it all changed from there. But just sitting there, and just when that happened, and when you're suddenly thinking, because at that time it was, you know, a draw just wasn't good enough. Mentally, it wasn't good enough for drawing that game. We, it was a game that we, if we won it, even though we're talking, you know, we're talking a two points difference, you know, between a win and a draw, it, it made a massive difference in, in confidence, in how it affected the teams who were then chasing it as well for us to get that win in, in, the, in the end. And we went, we went on from there. The, um, the other one, the olden one was just the fact of you know you're you're chasing a double, you're looking to you you're looking at doing that, you're playing oldham, and the fact of you know we're we're on the verge you know on the verge of you know winning a league, and then we're trying to do something and everything could have collapsed could have collapsed if we'd got beaten at Wembley by oldham. Could you imagine the media if if that had happened? It would have just been so negative. Yet we was on the verge of winning the league title. And then for Sparky to go and to, to go and do what he done was was absolutely amazing, absolutely amazing. Again, it was a it was another big decision, I think, as well in that game. I don't, I think I was hooked in that game as well. Tell me, Wayne. Nicky Book came on. Nicky Book came on for you, and he was yeah. involved in the in yeah. the win. Wayne, Wayne, I asked you a question. You didn't have to embellish it. I didn't need that bit. Okay. <laughs> so there you are. When, when in doubt, hook Paul Parker. <laughs> I, think, I think that's the technicality. I wouldn't agree with Paul's assessment there, but um, unfortunately, when I, I, did, I was going to mention Blackburn and Schmeichel coming up for the corner and Paul this, but we didn't, it, we didn't win that game and, um, and Paul wasn't brought off, so why, <laughs> why bring it up? Maybe that's um, why we didn't win, no? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, no, but I, it's just... Um, is as we were walking away from the game on Saturday, it was kind of like that feeling of like only United can put scripts like that together, really, and, and the way that it all. It was just just a quickie one, just in that bit because Dave, you know, Dave mentioned it about people talking about about the celebrations, and it was only Brentford. I do get that because I do. There's sometimes if you see people, you go, "Why are they going that far for?" But you know, it does, you know, if it had been beating, you know, beating. Liverpool or something like that, you think to yourself, but hold a minute, look where where that game is. You look at the time, eight games in, you know it's not going to make make any mark on what's going to happen at the end of the season. But that's a big win, but it's a different kind of celebration. But yeah. to come to come from you know from where they were, given that performance, it was just that let out of being absolutely garbage and nicking the game, which they had no right to nick. And it was that moment. And then when they when you get in the dressing room. As and I can only speak on behalf of 
one manager, saying that it's two managers I could talk about who in that same way. One was Jim Smith and the other one, of course, Sir Alex, is that you'd have, after you've done all that bit, you'd have gone in that dressing room, you'd have sat down and everything has gone then because you suddenly realise the position you was in and how fortunate you are. You know, it's not a case of just going out straight away and have a great night out because what you've done, you don't go out and celebrate anything what happened on on Saturday. You know, you just don't go and do that. You just feel fortunate that you was able to get back in the game thinking what would have happened if that game had maybe gone to what it should have done and Brentford win, knowing that situation you would have been in. And, that, and that's the difference between the two. So people, there's a lot of people out there who don't really understand that and what it means, especially when you're a club, you know, when you're Manchester United, when you're on the verge of what would people put as an embarrassment, being beaten at home by Brentford. Given Manchester United since Sir Alex has retired, there's been some unbelievable teams who have come there and won. Yeah. So, no, uh, let, so me, let me elaborate on that point, Paul. I was going to ask you a question on this, but before I do, Patrick put a comment in, in there. He says, morning, gents. Good to get As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Three points. Got to enjoy the moment. Can we see what 10 Arg is trying to do in his plan? I think I can, but when results are poor, all hell breaks loose. I'll get to that now because obviously there's the injuries as well. Paul, I'll ask you first on this. One thing I was rabbiting on about, you know, it's not often, but sometimes I do tend to moan a bit and go on a bit. And one of the things I was going to, yeah, I know. Dave is, yeah, you're both very quizzical with this. Wayne, are you sure? Yeah, was that Don't be so harsh on yourself. Uh, so a couple of pods I was on last week, I was uh, one on, I was on, on on Friday night. I talked about the 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 feeling, you know, like I've I've talked to you both about this as well. That I feel like there's something bigger brewing, like you know, just like a sort of feeling that you get that things have been bad, but not as bad as. There might be there's something around the corner, and and also a feeling that I'd had was it felt a little bit like around the time we played Newcastle in 2018, um, one of the last days under Mourinho, where um, it was obvious that things were going in the wrong direction, and that game was the last game before the October international break, and we were two 0 down, and we came back in the minute and Mourinho this execution. If we had lost two 0 after that run of results, we. we Battled against Spurs, we've lost against West Ham. Um, 
that he was obviously he was going to get sacked. And there was like talk in the press, ever had been pictured with Woodward, and there was talk of Zidane coming in to take over. And obviously, then it lasted another couple of months and didn't quite work like that. But it was obvious, even though we won the game and we come back in thrilling fashion and won the last minute, that it wasn't going to last very long. And now, like Paul said, you have that moment of acceleration a little bit longer. It lasts for us as fans because it's like, you know, the the, the last, you know, like your entire journey home, if you know what I mean, you're buzzing with it like me. But like now bringing us into Monday morning where I can talk to Paul about the fact that he was brought off twice when we've done it in the past. Um, well, those last-minute goals and what it means to the euphoria of being a fan, just a football fan and scoring those goals at the last minute and and then thinking oh this is going to be the catalyst this is going to be a turn turning around moment and as fans we can carry that belief into the next you know we can carry that belief into the next game and maybe it won't work out you know chances are looking at united's recent past it won't do it we'll lose against sheffield united or something like that we'll talk about that a little bit later but for the players, it obviously starts from the moment that the whistle blows, really. They've got to, like, yeah, right, you're allowed a few minutes of euphoria, but you've got to realise, A, we got out of jail. B, serious things need to change again. We can't, you know, a penny needs to drop at some point. And now that's what brings me on to this point. You know, United do need to make sure that this is a platform to build from. The two-week spell, uh, no, people might say, oh, you've lost the momentum of that euphoria, but I think United needed a break. They, they really needed um, to bring some players back and they might get a couple back um, to get some balance in the side more than anything. Now, I don't know if Tenog's under the same kind of pressure internally as what Ole uh, Mourinho was at the time. I don't, it doesn't, for me, feel like it's that bad that they would consider sacking him for a number of different reasons. But there is that moment and maybe the penny has dropped with him, if not with the players, that he is going to have to get harsh in order to set standards and get results. Like we mentioned Casemiro coming off, and I'm Casemiro's biggest fan. I absolutely love him. He's probably my favourite player at United, but he's been playing dreadfully and he needed to get hooked at half time if United were going to get anything from that game. And he was. And Rashford, I love Rashford. I'm proud that he plays for United. I'm proud that a person like that plays for United. But he needed to come off, not only for himself. But for Garnacho as well, he needs to show that he needs to be shown that he has that faith in him. And maybe even now you're looking at Anana, but I, I still feel like it's unless you've made a definite call that that's not going to happen long term. I think it's a tricky one to bring him out now. Um, so the question in a roundabout, long-winded way, Paul, is: Do you think that that is a win that can start the turn, or do you think like you know you got this run before Christmas, you've got you know? City at home coming up soon. Newcastle and Liverpool away before Christmas. Increasingly likely that even if we get a couple of wins in the Champions League, we're only battling out for that Europa space now. You know, that if we only get in the Europa League and we lose a couple of these games, that the pressure is likely to increase on um, Tenog. Do you, do you see enough around this squad, around this manager, around this team, that what happened on Saturday... <coughs> be a reality check for them moving forward or or do you think that maybe the injury crisis is still going to prove too much of an obstacle for them to overcome yeah the the injuries the injury is it's a problem because those players that are out and it mainly is about the back line the back line you know i mean 
I'm not a fan of the goalkeeper. Just just the way everything, too much goes through his hands, far too easy. Um, but to be fair to him, he hasn't really played behind what I'm sure the manager would say as his back four. You know, it's been no continuity in front of him, so he's battling that. I mean, I don't know why they can keep continuing with the trying to play out the back on a regular basis when you're with the players that they're trying to use all the time. It doesn't make any sense to me why they're trying that. Yeah. The midfield hasn't been right. Um, does that game make any, you know, what they've done, you know, the late goals, does that give, should that give anyone any hope? You would hope that people might try and believe that, but I think a lot of them are, are being honest and they're looking at it going, no. And like you just mentioned, the game's coming up and they're going, no, again, because City will be better because of they'll have Rodri back. He'll be back playing for them and they've missed him. Yeah. They've missed him the games he've missed. You can just see that presence he, he just occupies in the middle of the park, defensively and attacking-wise. Um, Liverpool, the media, straight away on to them. They, you know, they, you know they're, they're being adored at the moment again. So, um, so and they've picked up. Just at the moment, the form um, it just isn't good enough to go and beat those sides. Sheffield United away will be a big, big game. Sheffield United are having a horrendous time. And what Sheffield United need, they've got another big team at home. The last big team they had at home, well, called that way, is Newcastle. And we all know what happened in that game. Is that uh, are Manchester United going to go to Bramall Lane and do that? No, <laughs> not going to go and do it. So, and that's a tough game because if they're going to, if you're, if you're sitting there, if you're um, Sheffield United fan, you're going to think, Cool. Wouldn't it be great if we could just get that that elusive win? Could if it was what we're looking for? Could it be great if it's United? And as you know, Wayne, that's a big game for Sheffield United, isn't it? Yeah. They you know, they look that you know it's a big game at Bramwell Lane. It's you know very hostile. So I no, I'm still I'm still be just as worried the position they're in at the moment in time. And talking about Europe, Europe's got to be forgotten about. Enjoy it this season and try and go as far as you can. Try desperately to go as far as you can in playing in Europe, but if United were not to get in Europe next season, it might just do them a favour. Yeah. It might just do the manager a favour. Um, and if it was to get worse, should they get rid of the manager? What deja vu? It doesn't make any sense at all to change a manager. He's, as I keep saying, he's the first manager they've had since Sir Alex retired. You, you've got a general idea about him. Everyone wants to savage him because of. Because he's been, he's a disciplinarian. You know, the greatest manager the club had was a disciplinarian. There yeah. wasn't rules written up. You just knew about, you know, the words of respecting the people around you and respecting the football club. So he's got everything right about that. The only thing he can't get right is what's happening on the pitch. And sooner or later, people have to blame the players. People can't keep blame, blaming the manager. Oh, well, he picks them. Yeah, but he picks people because he's hoping, and and he shouldn't, he shouldn't be hoping. But he's having to hope that they're willing to work and run around. Yeah. And he's not getting that from them. People go, well, he brought the players in. Did he bring them in? That's the thing now with football. Who who brings the players in? Is it a manager 100% that brings the players in or not? Or is it someone who's working for the owner, the chairman, whatever? Nine times out of ten, it's not this, you know, nine times out of ten, these managers are not buying players. And you go and speak to a lot of managers and I think, or if you watch games, you can see who the manager has, has bought and you can see who the manager definitely hasn't bought by 
where that player where that player is situated while the game's being played and ha- how much time he gets on the pitch. So at this moment in time, United great. They needed that to go into didn't need to be going into a break on losing at home to Brentford, but forget about it at the moment. A lot of players because they will forget about it because they've got international games coming up. They've got that bit in their heads, but coming back into it again. It's, it's, it's going to be it's going to be even tougher because you you know there's not going to be enough good there's not enough players coming back and if you're looking around as maybe an experienced player and you're looking around you go into those some of those games you're going to be worried and players do do that by the way you do prejudge you do look around you look around who you got next to you when you're playing those games and sometimes you go oh my god we're missing him and it's it's a fact going into games without. Brian Robson next year, you got a little bit worried. Or going into a game with a midfield without a Paul Wentz and a Roy Keane in that middle, you'd be, you'd be a bit worried. And it's not being disrespectful to the players who come in. You just—it's a fact. Yeah. You do you do get a bit worried, Wayne? It's you know, oh, it's all right. He's coming in. He's just—he'll do great for us. He's that, but you know, he's not as good as a another. And it's it's tough. So these players have got to with their heads and that the yeah. back four. You know, you're worried. Yeah. You know, I, I don't care what people are saying now after what happened at the weekend. Same back four goes into goes in against City and Liverpool. No. No, yeah, it's I mean I'm not gonna disagree with any of that, and I think that's probably fair assessment when there's that kind of culture of blame and, and finger pointing at the moment and, and sort of defending. You can sort of see in the players' decisions on the pitch, sometimes that they're more concerned about, you know, when you're losing a game against Brentford at home, the, the last thing you want is for you to be seen as the perpetrator of that defeat. And obviously all the fingers were pointing at Anana and you see players making safe decisions and not taking risks because they don't want it, their stats to be hurt by it. And that was really frustrating a lot of United supporters at the weekend. Um, Dave, before I come to you, I'm just going to look at Patrick's comments because some really good comments and thoughts he's put on the on this. He says, Klopp and Arteta have shown that it can take some time to get the balance and team performance that a t- top manager wants. I feel Tenor gets micro-criticised for team selection when the reality is there's been a lot of disruption this season. Not having Martinez has been a big problem. Greenwood, Sancho and Anthony all necessary di- unnecessary distractions. I understand Klopp had a 48-player turnover. That's interesting. I didn't know it was. I know it was a lot, but I didn't realise it was that much. And um, before they won the Champions League, um, I don't think the squad rebuild is fully complete yet. He's essentially had two windows so far. The January 23 window was a waste with the two loans. Three. They're forgetting the goalkeeper there that we brought in Butland for a little. <laughs> Sorry, being facetious. Um, Patrick um, says if you want Sancho and. Maguire gone, then the club should stop mucking around again. I don't think that this is. I, I don't disagree in terms of giving the manager the backing for to move on the players, but that has been the issue that the club have had, is being able to handle that kind of turnover because of the financial situation at the club, and if they can't bring in a big fee, or or a relatively good fee, then it's the players being kept on a big contract and and just being kept around the squad. And you know, I've been here too many times. And I think that's the point, Dave, isn't it? That you're looking at the things that need to change now. The obvious thing that we've talked about in the past, what changes from the past is, well, you back the manager and you let him oversee this period. Like Paul said, maybe no European good uh, football would be good for us as a club, as a squad, because it'll give them a sort of harsher lens to look back into 
you know, to say like, oh, we're not good enough to win the league. We're not good enough to qualify for Europe. You know, that those players will have to face that. And yeah, all right, the finger does ultimately get pointed at the manager, but we are talking about something much deeper than one single season qualifying for Europe. We're talking about an attitude in the squad. And we're at a point in time, and this is, again, long-winded, but coming to you at this point, um, you know, United win a game, win it like we did, and, you, you know, the optimism is, um, maybe the pennies dropped and there'll be a culture change in this squad, like we saw after Brentford last season. You know that the perhaps the most frustrating thing is that this squad has it in them when the players are fully fit, when they're not and there's a culture of accountability, of, of blame and everything like that, then you worry about the, the attitude. The penny does need to drop. And if it doesn't, then the, the tide can turn and the fingers do get pointed at the manager and it becomes like a race against time. Do those players come back? I guess I, I don't even know how to frame the question. You know where I'm going with it, Dave. But I guess to ask you a direct question on it, before the players come back, is there enough in that tank from the players that are available and that we can turn these results around and, and that the players who are returning will be returning to a more positive atmosphere and that um, that the pressure will be off Ten Hag somewhat. Can he, can he manage this situation successfully? Well, I mean, the, the, the first game after the international break, if, you know, if you're looking for, if you're looking for a reaction from that game that we've just, we've just seen against Brentford, you don't want to, you don't want to be playing Liverpool or City away, you know, because all the good work becomes undone. I believe, you know, Shep, no disrespect to Sheffield United, and I know it's going to be a massive game for them, but it's probably one of the better fixtures we could have had right after the international break, right after what has just happened against Brentford, um, and this will show whether this team really wants, really wants it. Um, it's actually, it's actually great timing in regard to that. Uh, if if it was against City or or Arsenal or Liverpool. You can't really gauge whether, as you said, the penny has dropped um, because there are games that are going to be tough regardless of what we're playing um, or how we're playing. Um, to go away and beat Brentford uh, or to beat Sheffield United in our, in our next game will, will give me some kind of confidence that maybe these players are starting to get it. But, you know, Eric Ten Hag, he's, he's had so much bad luck this season. And I know teams get injuries and, and we can complain about it, but he's no back four. Um, he really hasn't. The, like I said to you, Wayne, on Saturday, here we are in 2023, and I don't want to be disrespectful to the two players, but we're playing Johnny Evans and, and Harry Maguire at Manchester United at centre-backs, as our two centre-backs. There are only options. Um, uh, I think he got the Dallow and the uh, Lindelof thing wrong as well. I'm not sure why he didn't have Dallow on the left. Um and Lindelof on the right, it was it was confusing, and it, and you could see that from the from the from the get go, the, the defense was terrible, um, and so I, you know I, I'm I'm always a person to, you know to back a manager 100 percent, 100 percent all the way until he's gone, and then I'll back the next manager. Um, David Moyes was the only one that 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 got me that close to not backing a manager, um, but in the end, you know the inevitable happened with with Moyes, um, but I I just I just think our back four. Is is it's just it? I feel for Ten Hag. He's he's you know I I believe he's brought in some really really good defenders, um, and I think he's got the best out of Juan Bissaka, uh, and then unfortunately he's got injured. Um, I just don't, I I just don't think that you know because we're talking about defense here, 
I just don't think Onana is, regardless of who we have in front of him, he still can't do the basics of goalkeeping, and that's a problem. And I can't see his technique changing. I can't see him changing. Um, he's a terrible shot stopper. His, I mean, he got a good hand to that goal the other day, and it still went through him. It still went through him. I, I, I just don't know how you fix that. Um, uh, dropping him is probably not an option because you know the 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 the, the new Turkish guy. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't recall his name. But new Turkish guy comes in, and I mean, he's under massive pressure. Then you know what I mean. It's unfair to him. It's unfair to the team. We just have to stick with Onana. I, I think it's one of those things where the manager, you know, in, in his quiet moments, reflecting in his office, is thinking to himself, we got that wrong. You know, this guy had a great season uh, in, in, in Italy, comes to the Premier League, biggest, best league in the world with the best players, I believe, the toughest league in the world, so fast paced. It, 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 he's just not suited for it. I'm sorry he's not. I just don't believe he's, he's a Manchester United goalkeeper. He's going to cost us more games this season. Um, but just to get back to the actual nature question, you know, I don't know whether having the international break is going to be is going to be a problem. Um, those players will will certainly take, you know, what happened at Old Trafford with them into the next game, I believe, against Sheffield United. And we could have got a lot tougher games than Sheffield United um, to come back to. And that's saying they'll probably be three nil. Um, but I, I do believe that it, you know, in some ways. A lot of positive things happened, and I, and I said it earlier on. I think Ten Hag has now decided that you know what, don't care who you are, I've, I've kept faith with you, um, I've, I've kept you on in games, you know, for ninety minutes when I shouldn't have, um, but taking Casemiro off at halftime was huge, you know. As I said, taking Rashford off, Garnacho needs to start the next game, and so does Anthony. They really do. They really do. And, you know, Paul said earlier on, I, and, and I agreed with him back then, is that that was the only time the Brentford defence actually had to push back. Before that, they were just standing 20 yards from the goal line with, with zero pressure. Um, uh, but, yeah, no, I, I am hoping that that the game itself is, has has shown them. I mean, the the uh, the reception or receive the winning goal. I mean, if, if if the players don't get it, what this means to the supporters, we don't care if it's Brentford, we don't care if it's Carlisle United, we just care about winning, and they've got to take that into into that next game. And maybe the break is a good thing, you know, to come back then and be a bit fresher, and maybe have one or two defenders back uh, to give us that bit of balance. But I think I think it should be. Um, I do believe that it's going to do us more good than harm, even though there is an international break. Yeah. Um, one very last quick one, because we've already sort of briefly talked on Sheffield United. I think we're all on the same page that we're going to get a reaction from them. Um, even though, like, the, I've had a quick look at the stats, and I know they're, they're without a win on on form, it's played out over 38 games, and they'll probably be the worst Premier League team of all time. And sorry if I've got any Sheffield United mates watching this. <laughs> that's the stats. That's what they tell us. Um, Patrick, as a comment, I'm just going to come to Paul quickly on this. Um, I don't know if you can answer the question, but he's been asked. Um, he says, what is the deal with Casemiro, Bruno, Varane, Rashford's form this season? Is, is there a reason for why they've all been so poor? Well, to be perfectly honest, you look at the way... Few of them finished the season. United didn't finish the season that well, form-wise. To be perfectly honest, they just about got to the end. End of the 
end of the season couldn't come quick enough for a lot of the players and maybe the fans as well because they just knew that <clears throat> there was just after that League Cup it suddenly just went a little bit it slowed yeah. down and individuals who played well weren't they weren't Casemiro stood up stood up out of all of them really as, as the one because yeah. I mean he was scoring some important goals so I look at it this season Casemiro's has started poorly I thought he was getting there but I think the, the midfield and he needs continuity in his midfield you think of who he's played with you know that says a lot and there hasn't been any continuity in that midfield <clears throat> Ericsson never got a mention but he he hasn't done enough to to play regularly to be honest he hasn't shown enough even when he comes on he hasn't shown enough Bruno he must have had maybe more touches of the ball than anyone else in that midfield he was flashing about the only thing I'd give him was that he doesn't go missing he's still trying to get the ball sometimes you think oh gosh he's a bit erratic sometimes but you know, people, when they talk about Bruno, the first thing they say about him, they talk about his stats. Yeah. But if you watch him, you got you need to watch him, then look at the stats, and you wonder what you're getting for the stats. But uh, Marcus Rashford is the one. Marcus Rashford, he's lived, he's lived off his, off of one season, one season last season. Prior to that, the previous 18 months, two seasons, wasn't good. Last season made him. And as, as you know, Wayne, I kept saying, you know, the, the goals papered over the cracks in his game. Now we're seeing now we're seeing the game without the goals. All of a sudden, people are suddenly joined in and suddenly realising that he's not given enough. When you watch a Hannibal come into the games he's coming and you look at what he puts into it and then you think, so, hold on a minute, why isn't Hannibal playing? Yet Marcus Rashford is when he's not and he's not scoring goals. He's not looking like he's going to score goals, to yeah. be honest. And the way he plays his decision-making, which I was saying ages ago, is poor. You know, trying to beat three people at once. If it comes off, the media, great skill. If it doesn't come off, nothing said because a goal covered it up. So does he need, does he, should he start the next game? No, not really. He needs a wake-up call. I don't want to read about, oh, he's got this problem, that problem. I don't want to read about that. You're just having a bad time. Go back to basics. Go back to what got you games in the first team control pass and then move and show you running behind people because that was his strength he doesn't want to do it anymore he thinks he's a dribbler marcus rashford is not a dribbler marcus rashford is somebody who gets in behind people and 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 what he is he's just somebody who does things very quickly just reacts to things very very quickly and but he's trying to overthink things and that's where he loses it so when you talk about the key players, they're all they're all not doing it on a regular basis this season. Given where United are, we have to say that's the problem. Yeah. No, that, that's a great analysis. I think um, with Rashford, I think the way that I would rephrase what you've just said is, you know, he's been carrying the responsibility, taking it on himself. And um, if you take that responsibility off him, if you unburden him and see that, you know, the team can operate without him, then maybe that will be the best thing for him. And also, I do think that these decisions now will be the best thing for the manager because we've got to get um, really critical and brutal and probably a handful of these players have got the pedigree and quality to be in a title-winning squad. And Tenog's final mission really ought to be taking United back to that standard. And if it's not about doing that in the short term, because it's not, it's about being um, ruthless with it in the short term. Do you know what I mean? You've got to 
take those players out and show them that the standard, you know, that you've got to have minimum standards of application and, and moving around because the, the least thing that you can bring, which we did see from Scott McTominay on, on Sunday's movement and effort on Saturday, movement and effort, and you didn't see that from too many other players on Saturday. Um, when you just see it from a couple and it makes a difference to win one game, then, you know, the penny might drop in what's needed throughout all of the players all of the time. And I did... Tenog did say that some words to that effect afterwards. You don't need more application throughout every minute of every game. United, they can't afford to, um, like Dave said earlier, um, so saunter through games like the two goals up. Um, uh, just to close before we say goodbye, um, earlier on making jokes about Paul being brought off in games, I'm gonna. Just end with a little bit of hero worship. He knows that he knows that this he's is scrambling now, Paul. He's scrambling. He's scrambling. <laughs> I'm not scrambling. Paul knows. Uh, people who, if they're listening and or watching and they don't realize if they we're out poking some fun at him. Paul is like the right back in both of Dave and I's favorite team of all time growing up. And, you know, Gary Neville goes down as United's best ever right back because of the trophies that he won. But um, I'm sure that people will agree with me who saw them both play that Paul was even better defensively than Gary um, and would be a, a conversation point for being in any old-time United eleven and absolute hero worship every week. It's just because I've been talking to him for nearly five years, five years on this podcast Paul has given his time that I'm finally comfortable to have a little bit of fun about the two times he was brought off and United score late goals. So don't come at me telling me that I'm bashing one of our legends. Um, he doesn't even like being described as a legend, but I'm I'm throwing that word out there, and he can't say anything back. So there you go. Stop before before all this controversy comes out afterwards. I'm firefighting <laughs> before, and maybe I am scrambling. But this is what happens when I'm trying to close a podcast, and I don't know the right way to do it. Um, if you watch live on YouTube or, or Facebook, um, if you can subscribe like um, the video as well and share share even after we finish it really um helps with the views and everything like that and if you have listened back on the audio podcast if you can subscribe and leave a, a positive review on the platform you're listening on we will be back in two weeks after the international break um obviously we'll be a lot more positive when we come back because I, the least we can expect is united to win eight nil at bramall lane that's what newcastle <laughs> did so we can do it they're just a weak club in the northeast as, as someone famous once said, I'm a famous Scott. Um, maybe Scott will be in the team and score another double. Two from eight, two from the eight that we score at Bramall Lane for Scott McTominay. That'll be a nice conversation starter for um, um, two weeks on Monday. So until then, have a good one and we'll be back soon. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.